Hey there, Powder Keg fans. This is episode 130 of the Powder Keg podcast, which is the show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators building remarkable tech companies in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and on today's episode, we'll be sharing a recent live-streamed interview and live Q&A that we hosted with a very special guest, Peter Dunn, aka Pete the Planner. We discussed how to react to an economic recession and personal finance crisis like we're seeing right now. Um, I'm looking at... uh, the end of March here in 2020, uh, we were seeing some craziness with the coronavirus outbreak and crisis and now financial crisis. Uh, we also had a chance to answer a lot of questions from the Powder Kid community on the topic of personal finance. Everyone's wondering what to do right now. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more episodes like this that are relevant and live streamed and engage you, the listener. Um, so I hope you'll join us. Make sure you check out some of our upcoming live streaming versions of the podcast with community Q&A so you can get your questions answered. You'll also get expert advice from the guests that we're bringing from all over the Powder Keg community around the U.S. and beyond. You can check all of those out at powderkeg.com slash events. Highly recommend checking those out. Tons of different topics. I'm sure there are some that you'd like to be involved with, and we always have a lot of fun doing those. Today's guest, Peter Dunn, a.k.a. Pete the Planner, is an award-winning comedian and an award-winning financial mind. Uh, He keeps things fun, he keeps things interesting, but he also really knows his stuff. He is a USA Today columnist, an author of 10 books, 10, and he's the host of a popular radio show and podcast, The Pete the Planner Show. Pete appears regularly on CNN Headline News. Fox News, Fox Business, and many nationally syndicated radio programs. So he is all over the place. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle you personally sit on. Uh, he is really just kind of real talk. He gives it straight to you. That's what I like about Pete. He's also the CEO and founder of Your Money Line and Hey Money. We'll talk a little bit about those in this episode. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode as we watch the economic roller coaster continue to go up and down. And rather than just be going along for the ride. We uh, we want to put you in control with some of the advice in this particular episode. I hope you get some valuable insight and uh, let us know what you learn. Uh, hopefully, this works out uh, in your favor and uh, gives you some actionable things that you can do today to get your personal finances in order. Please enjoy my guest, Pete the Planner. I want to say, Pete, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. No, it's good to be with you. You know, the first time you and I met, we sat and ate donuts at Food Emporium on uh, 56th in Illinois. It was a very long time ago. A friend of mine said, you got to meet this kid because at the time you were a kid. And (laughs) I was like, all all right, I like to meet young men. And (laughs) it was weird. And we had donuts. And I remember leaving it and texting my friend. I was like, yeah, I like that guy. So uh, how long ago was that? Do you have any idea? Probably a decade, man. Um, I, I do remember that, man, that I I could definitely go for a little food emporium action right now. So tasty. Definitely trying to support local businesses, um, and, and I really wish I could have a cronut right about now. Yeah. So, well, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I think, uh, you know, the indie tech community has done so much for so many, uh, not only people working in the indie tech community, but our nation at large, our world at large, getting, I wanted to say something fun, like getting people's tech stack on fire. <laughs> I don't even know what it means, but I say it sometimes because I No, I think you like- nailed it. I don't know, but anyway, I appreciate you all. And, and I know it's a tough time. So uh, hopefully I can shed a little light on you today. Well, and I, I remember that meeting early on Pete too. And I had a ton of questions from you because I had just graduated from college. 
Uh, I had just sold a, a business, a small exit, and was figuring out what my next thing was going to be. Um, and I've been following you ever since and appreciate just the, the straight talk financial advice um, paired with just real humanness, uh, not forgetting mental health, not forgetting um, the other things that personal finance touches, including our jobs, including our family. Um, really, it touches all parts of our life. And um, what we're dealing with right now with the economic downturn is certainly um, certainly some uncertain times. And I just wanted to uh, hear from you maybe how you're thinking about it with respect to your family. And if you could tell us a little bit about your family uh, as well, I'd, just, I'd, I'd love to hear. Yeah, we, we all just hang out in this place now, this box we call a home for the next several weeks. Uh, my wife uh, is uh, a makeshift teacher right now to my 11-year-old daughter and my soon-to-be eight-year-old son. And so uh, uh, we're good. We're safe. We're, we're currently healthy. And we're hungering down just like everyone else. I, I feel like, you know, there are three major issues going on right now in our world. Uh, and if you don't separate them, they start to feel like an unsolvable mess. And uh, for me, that is uh, the COVID-19 itself, which I don't really have any thoughts on, Matt, out of respect to scientists. Like, I have nothing to say about it. I just listen to scientists. Yes. Um, then I, I, the, think, yeah. I, I think it's a good disclaimer to just say Americans should follow the advice from the CDC, any relevant local and state authorities, you know, pay attention to what's going on in the news, take precautions. Um, yeah, we are not doctors. Yeah, I will say there was a moment in time about 10 days ago where I was just on the fence. Should I listen to the leading, you know, virologist in the world, Dr. Anthony Fauci, or a guy I went to high school with who was a below average student that has a lot of hot takes on Facebook? And I was like, <laughs> who should I believe? Who should I believe? But I settled on science and I recommend others do the same. Uh, so that's, that's one issue that I don't have any opinion on. Uh, the other two uh, really are the market, which is scaring the hell out of people, and the economy, which hurts right? It doesn't hurt to watch your money uh, on paper go down in the stock market. It's, it's concerning. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't physically take over your body. Watching what's happening in the economy, the inability to pay bills, to pay employees and coworkers, to pay vendors. Let's not forget in this community, the ability to pay a vendor means something, right? Uh, that's where a lot of this pain's coming from. And so, Again, I, I hope to shed some light on that, help people understand that the stock market is a forward-looking instrument, okay? What that means, Matt, you know this, but you know maybe some others on this don't. It means right now the market is flipping out because it's not confident that there's a cool, good, sustainable plan to move forward in the economy. As soon as those plans start to come to fruition, as soon as this send checks to Americans stimulus plan comes to be, the market should smooth out, but it's, it's spastic nature right now. It's just saying, yeah, this, currently there is no plan. So when we, when we start, start talking about tackling those last two problems that you mentioned, I'm glad we only have three major problems because <laughs> if we had four, I don't know if I could handle it. No. Uh, when, when we start talking about tackling those problems, can we talk a little bit first about mindset? You know, one of our core values here at Powder Keg is to practice mindfulness. And uh, I got to tell you, it's been a little bit challenging over the last week as we've all made this adjustment to full-time remote and figuring out how to adapt our business models. But just how panicked and worried should we be? Yeah, I, I would say you should be prepared, right? I think panic's the wrong P word. Uh, preparedness is where this is at. Um, I, I'm going to give you some, some ugly numbers, but I at least warned you 
So what's up? Um, we will likely hit the highest unemployment numbers we've had since 1933. I mean, we, we, are, we are well on the way. The last time we had double digit unemployment was 1982. Uh, but in 1933, unemployment was roughly 25%. Do we get there? I don't know, but I think we're going to be pretty close. So that, that is disconcerting. Mm -hmm. um, do you know, Matt, this is the best way I've been able to get my head around this personally when it comes to sort of panic and how do you, uh, you know, how do you channel your feelings and emotion towards this? You remember that meme or that graphic that was going around about a week or two ago with the matches that were all lined up. And if you pull one match out, then it stops the spread of COVID-19. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Okay. So th that was great. It was a, a really cool illustration. But when it comes to the economy, which we've taken on our radio show this morning, we started calling it the economic pandemic, which uh, it's a little much. Uh, with the economic pandemic, it's the same illustration, but our goal is to pull people back in line, mm. right? These matches have been pushed out of line. The, the entire swaths of the economy have been pushed out of line. And so if I'm the last match in line that's lit, I'm going to extinguish because there's no one for me to pass my money to. The New York Times said it best on Monday in a terrifying column, but this line was great. It said, one person's spending is another person's income, right? And so if my spending is this person's income and I don't spend, this dude's out of line, right? Yeah. And so our focus should be to stabilize ourselves. So then when it's time to press go, because it will be time to press go in the coming weeks, we are prepared to bring our brethren and sistren, not a word, back in line so we can get this thing going again. That's what this is about. So what are some ways we can do that? Because uh, already nearly 20% of Americans have said that someone in their household has been laid off or at least had reduced hours. How should, be, how should people be thinking about their job right now? Well, I think you've got to prepare for the possibility, just depending on what industry you're in, that your income is, is going to suffer. Um, Ideally, look, I'm going to tell you how we like to do financial planning, which, you know, it's like the guy standing over someone that's like, well, I told you to watch out for the left hook. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that, but it's important to understand this. We ideally like people to have three months reserves on hand. That is called an emergency fund. The reason is, is for a once in 100 year event like now, right? And so What's tough is because of how our consumer habits have changed in the last few decades, it's really challenging. It's been challenging uh, behaviorally for people to accumulate those three months expenses. So if for those that have been able to do that, they're going to be able to weather this storm because Matt, I think it's going to be an eight to 10 week issue from today minimum, mm. which works out to three months. Right. And so that, that is an issue. I do think the economy will restart then. I worry about the tech community in the sense, and these are some very candid, frank comments. So everyone sure. grab a, I'm not even telling you what's in this beverage <laughs> right now because it's calming me. It's brown, could be coffee. All rules are off when, uh, I, I, I saw a meme earlier that airport rules apply. Yeah, uh, totally. I, I live and die by those rules. <laughs> um, here's the deal with the tech community that, that concerns me a little bit. Um, I have a business of 16 people. Uh, we have a successful financial business. We use a lot of SaaS tools and products and all these sorts of things. We are currently not buying anymore, right? We have the ones we have. We may cut one or two to stay lean. We're well capitalized. We're going to be fine. But we have a spending freeze. 
if, if you hear a business owner say they have a spending freeze and your job is biz dev into small businesses right now, that, that, that stinks. And so that concerns me about the tech community. And I also, I have to say, Matt, and you know more about this than I do, all the VC money that has been flowing into Indianapolis, um, and this isn't meant to be rude or weird, but there, there are strings attached to VC money. Just, there just are. And so I don't know what that means in light of all this. I don't, I don't know if it means you still got to hit your numbers or if there's grace extended. I have no idea, but it still concerns me. Well, the, the good news is, um, one, here in Indianapolis, we have seen an influx of, of venture capital and, and all the other communities that we serve, like Nashville, Tennessee, and, and Kansas City, Missouri, um, same thing. Uh, last year, we saw an increase in venture capital investment uh, faster in areas outside of Silicon Valley. It was accelerating more outside of Silicon Valley than it was inside of Silicon Valley. So that means that there's a lot more companies now in the middle of the country that are well-funded that are getting those emails from their VCs saying in a lot of cases, you know, freeze all hiring for the time being, uh, be conservative with your cash. Um, there, there were some really good uh, articles that have been circulating around that we'll drop in the show notes uh, here from some of the top tier VCs uh, and, and great VCs that are investing right here in Indianapolis and in these other markets saying, you know, adjust your forecast in terms of sales. Obviously still, still try to make sure you're hitting your numbers. So there, there is reason there. That's not like, um, at least a good VC isn't like putting a boot on CEO's necks right now. Um, and and they're trying to provide kind of level-headed advice, uh, in this time and be cash conservative, which is, I, I think a good thing. Yeah. And again, I, that's why I said, you know more about that stuff than I do. Um, I do think when it comes to being a leader within an organization in the times we're in now, transparency is super important. I know sometimes leaders need to think that they can't seem vulnerable or they, they have to be indestructible, but I think the best thing you can do good or bad is to go to your team. And if it is good, but go in there and own it, be like, look, Hey, it happens to be good right now. And if it ever turns, I'm going to tell you, but I want, we're, we're taking a, we're taking a pause to accept the fact that we have some stability as an organization right now and you all contributed to it. So that's good. The other side of this too is, Matt, if, if you're struggling, if you're going to have to lay off people. If you're going to have to do uh, asset income freezes for people or pay freezes, tell them so they can get their house in order and, and, and deal with it. Part of planning is time. Like time and money are the two resources that the financial planning consists of and you need time to plan your money. So, by waiting till the last second to tell someone that we're in trouble, that's not real great. I 100% agree. I, I think um, I, I've been trying. I've been trying to be as trans- transparent as possible this week uh, with our team, uh, and I know just uh, adjusting to being all remote has been challenging to balance that with also uh, over communication and everything else that goes with it. Um, you know, in, in terms of of what you're talking about in terms of time and money, those two resources, you mentioned having emergency fund. What if I'm in the camp of, I haven't been saving. I ha I don't have an emergency fund. Is, is your advice just that I'm screwed or, uh, what, what can I do today? Well, there's, there's a couple pieces of good news, but they're sort of backwards. Good news. Okay. Um, we're not, no one's spending any money right now. Like no, I, we are, uh, consumers of the local food and drink scene, my wife and I, which are currently not participating in it. 
And so that, that means there's money we're not spending that is cut out of our need for income, right? So there's that idea that our actual consumer personal financial habits have temporarily changed. And again, it's very important. And I want to have everyone understand this. Someone's going to yell, press go. And when we do, we got to be able to pump money back in and pull people back into line. That time is, the time is not now, especially yeah. if you are part of a small company and you're worried about your income, right or wrong. So that's one thing, Matt. The okay. second thing is, and this one's a little more difficult to talk about. Um, the best way to explain it actually is sort of this concept of a grease fire. If you've ever worked in food service and there's a grease fire, uh, you know, growing up, you're like, oh, fire, I need water. If you throw water on a grease fire, boom, it's a powder kick. Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't help it. Um, so that, that's an issue, right? And so what's happening is people are seeing these uh, financial fires. And so they grab uh, a 401k loan if they had a 401k or they go to a, uh, a payday loan place. They, they do weird things to put out the fire, but it's the wrong, wrong suppressant and it makes it worse. So our concern in these situations, a, a person's got to do what a person's got to do that doesn't mean they know what to do because they've never been in a 100 year financial event. So what are some of the right things? Where should people be turning to put out that fire? Uh, oddly enough, if, if you have no money, right? Cause we're, we're, we've got, we've crossed the Rubicon into the, what if I have absolutely no money advice? Uh, once you've cut your expenses, then it gets into, all right, what, what are your actual sources for borrowed money? you know, hmm. mom and dad, and there's your buddy and your girlfriend and your boyfriend and all these sorts of things. Um, I tend to think um, if you're going to borrow money, and I can't believe I'm saying this is like the world is backwards now because I'm like a cash advance on your credit card could make sense. Like, what? Yeah, but but take using a credit card is all of a sudden a somewhat reasonable strategy to get through this. It's a heck of a lot better than liquidating an IRA or a 401k or something like that. That That is that's near the bottom of the list because if you have short-term instability and you use whatever semblance of long-term stability you have to fix the short-term instability, you no longer have long-term instability or stability, which is the hardest thing to achieve. Mm -hmm. right? So, it, which is hard, Matt, because you're telling people, hey, you can't eat right now, but when you're 59 and a half, you'll be able to eat. I mean, that's a dumb <laughs> piece of advice, but it's, it's actually true. So I don't mind credit. I don't mind credit card usage. I don't mind equity lines for homeowners. I don't mind that much. Um, I've already seen people move in with someone else, right? I mean, that's not exactly social distancing, but you know they're they're being smart about it. Um, those are the things we're talking about because if you think about the financial crisis in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, one of the things that grew out of it more than anything was the gig economy. Mm -hmm. Because when the economy recovered starting in Mar March 9th of 2009, um, a lot of people will pull, were pulled back into the success of our American economy, but some people weren't. And those people created the gig economy, right? Those people said, I'll do it myself. I'll get in my car, I'll take you down the block or stay in this extra room, we'll be fine. And so this is the problem now, is that we're in this situation and to fix our financial problems for the last 11 years, it's been, we'll just go get another gig earn a couple extra bucks here or there, but those gigs are nowhere to be found. So freelancers, gig economy people, they, they're hurting worse than ever. And the tough part about that is, you know, the old adage of, we'll just work harder. Yeah, they did. They did. But working harder doesn't solve 
anything right now, which makes this so frustrating. Certainly a lot of the gig workers and freelancers in the tech community, um, we rely, I mean, half of our team are, are freelancers right now, um, part to all the way to full time. Um, how should freelancers be thinking about this situation um, from holding off on quarterly tax payments to looking at shifting careers? Uh, how, just how drastic should they be uh, making moves right now? I think you got to chunk down the problems. Currently, you have a three-month problem, right? Now, you can't take, uh, you can't have a permanent solution to a temporary problem. You can't wipe out your 401k to solve what is going on now. And by the way, if you have a bunch of freelancers, they unlikely have a 401k. They may have an IRA or something. I still don't love that solution, but if you got to do it, you got to do it. And, and I'm not mad at you, um, <laughs> but it's three months. How can I, that's the question you have to think about all day long. How can I survive three months? That's the, that's the start. It's not, well, how can I make this another couple of weeks? You're asking yourself the wrong question. And you also don't have to make it all of 2020. Start with three months. And when you, when you identify the problem, it just gets a little bit easier to solve. Mm. You start saying, well, I could stay here. Or, oh, there is this fun from my grandma I never really wanted to touch. Um, and I'm not, by the way, I'm, I'm also not here to, to um, trivialize or marginalize people struggling with this. File for unemployment if you can. Uh, and don't feel like you're a burden on the system. That, that's a, there's a survivor's guilt going on right now, uh, mm. Matt, that I'm seeing. I've been talking to hospitality industry workers all week long, and yeah. I've had some horrible, horrible stories. And there's guilt. I mean, this is the great part about sensible Midwest economy is that people say, look, I, I'm a personal responsibility person. I don't want to be a burden on the system. Well, this is why the system exists to help you out. And you know what? You've helped so many people out along the way. It's okay to accept help right now. Again, this is not mm. a blip. This is a thing, a, a real big thing. I, that is really great advice, Pete. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, finding those sources, finding those opportunities for help. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about those people that are, are marginalized right now. It, should they be some people are having the, the, the sort of thought that they can just kind of hunker down for the next three months because they have an emergency fund because they've been following your show. They've been taking action. They might even have a six-month emergency fund. Um, is that the right mindset to just sort of hunker down and wait this out? Or should they, are there steps they still should be taking while they're unemployed or between gigs? I think one of the toughest lessons we're going to learn, but it's going to end up being a beautiful lesson. Hey, it's built for an after-school special is what I'm saying, Matt, <laughs> is that the only way through this is together, right? If, if, if what comes out of this is that we're not so divisive as a culture, oh, was it worth it? I don't know. I don't know. It's not worth it to the people who are medically suffering. Um, but it'd be interesting so I would say, I think of the way out of this, if you, even if you're hunkering down, is to stay part of your network, keep mm. communicating, keep being a resource for people. Look, I'm as scared as anybody. I'm as scared as anyone. And the only cathartic thing I can do is to jump in and help because we happen to be in a sinking ship right now and my company just happens to sell buckets. So that's why I'm part of this. And that's why I'm you know, doing 16 hour days. Not everyone has to do 16 hour days right now because this isn't their wheelhouse. But at some point you're going to see an opportunity where you think, well, I have time. I could probably help in sub Go, go, man. I mean, it's going to pay off. I, you know, I think, 
you don't want to stay idle. You don't want to lose your, your mojo and, and lose your skills. I think about my daughter uh, does gymnastics. And so, you know, she's doing really well right now for whatever that means for 11 year old girls gymnastics, but <laughs> she's going to have a month or two off. And so do those skills start to suffer? I think from a professional standpoint, we have to look at that same thing. Um, you don't always have to be creating revenue to provide value. And, and I think, you know, free work, helping someone out, there's nothing wrong with it right now. I'll tell you, I'm going to talk about something that is, is, is actually happening online right now that is very controversial. There is a, a local media outlet that has started marketing uh, packages to restaurants to say, we'll have our personalities come out and tell people to get carry out from you for $2,500. And while that is one way to create revenue and you feel like you're serving that population, that's not the right move, man. I mean, if you wanna be part of the solution, don't think about your ad revenue. You gotta think about helping people. And, and so, does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I, in a lot of ways, you know, our team has been talking this week. It, it's hard in a situation like this where you're trying to help your community um, both local and national and global, uh, you know, with the internet, we've got friends all over the place. Now, um, you want to be helpful. You want to be spending time doing that, but during your, your time working on your job and, and rolling up your sleeves, uh, there is a lot of opportunity right now, uh, for a lot of businesses and for a lot of people. Um, it, are there any mindsets for you personally that you've implemented in order to get into that mode without doing it in a panic or manic sort of way, um, being very measured about where you're spending your time and, and how you're helping out while still balancing family? Well, that's a challenge. I mean, it is, it is not fun to probably be my significant other right now. And my wife, you know, you see, I tweeted about the other day, you see social media shout outs for, you know, significant others from time to time. And they're weird and hollow and especially on Valentine's day. Uh, but I sent one out cause it's just like, uh, I'm on the financial front lines of this thing. And, and I don't say that in sort of a haughty way. It just happens to be the topic. And so I sort of, I'm, tr I'm trying to learn when to read the information I need to read to do my job because I'm having some challenges with that. I, I'm reading stuff at the wrong time, which then affects my sleep cycle. You know, my favorite part of every day is still that moment I wake up when I haven't yet remembered what we're dealing with. Sometimes it's a half second. Honestly, this morning it was as short as ever, but it felt really good when it happened. Um, just keep going forward. I, I, I can tell you, I hurt more now for others than I ever have before. And it's because I've been able to secure our financial stability. And so it allows me to truly focus on others. So I, I guess uh, if you're dealing with your own financial pain, it probably is harder to empathize with others' financial pain because you're trying to take care of your own self. Well, uh, speaking of empathize with others, let's jump into some community questions. Uh, I see a few coming in here. Just a reminder for those that are watching this live on Zoom, there's a Q&A functionality there at the bottom of your screen. Just click Q&A and you, you can ask your question. Uh, you can ask it anonymously and I'll read it out or you can uh, type your name and we'll actually call you on and, and bring you on so you can ask your question live here on the show. Uh, I'm going to start with this first anonymous attendee. Um, a question here uh, was asked just a couple minutes ago, which is that my family was going to finish maxing out our Roth IRA, 529s, et cetera, five kids, lots of college. Should we still attempt to max it out? Uh, or 
keep our money sort of liquid. The job is stable right now for this attendee, um, but that's their situation. What's your advice, Pete? Uh, if you have an emergency fund uh, that, that is sustainable of three months or more, and you have income and employment stability, go, man, do it. Yeah, I mean, because sometimes we forget this. And, and as entrepreneurs, by the way, th this is the heart of our business too. Buy low, sell high, right? Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly uh, we forget that. And so the market is uh, what we call oversold right now. I love financial industry terms. They're really stupid. Uh, <laughs> but it's oversold right now, which means that's a great, it's low. It's a good time to buy. It is a bad time to sell. So I, I don't love the idea of how can I take advantage of this situation for my own personal good? I mean, that's a little gross. However, that's not what this person is saying. They're saying, what is a wise thing to do? And I think that is one of them. I'm not the guy that's going to search out surgical mask companies to invest in. I don't really care to do that. Uh, but I think what this question gets to is that's a, that's a prudent move. And I certainly approve of it. And is now the right time to do that? Or would you wait it out a few more weeks or months? Uh, there's this old adage, uh, because the financial industry is stupid. So we have lots of dumb adages. It's, there's never a good time to, uh, buy, there's only good times to sell. Right. And so, uh, is that right? No one knows who cares. It doesn't matter <laughs> Buy now, because even if it keeps going down, you've bought in at a 32% discount. We're 32% off the highs right now. And this is also to suggest people should be very careful going, I'm going to not sleep tonight as I try to unwind what I just said. Uh, you also have to understand buying individual companies is a higher risk right now than buying uh, diversified investment tools like ETFs or mutual funds. There will be companies that go bankrupt. And if you make a risky bet on something, well, it's gotta come back. It actually doesn't have to come back. And that's the, the truly scary part about this time versus 2008, 2009. Oh, that's great. Um, I really appreciate that helpful advice. I know a lot of people have that question. Um, let's bring on our next, um, guest. And this is, uh, Natalie Clayton and Natalie, we'd love to bring you on the show to answer your question live. Uh, Natalie is from the Clayton team at the Platt collective, which is an Indianapolis real estate, uh, firm. And I know real estate is a, a big, uh, big topic right now. A lot of people who are thinking about buying, thinking about selling Natalie, do you mind? Uh, can you hear us? Yep. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Hello, Natalie. Hey Pete. Matt, I also met with Pete like a decade ago for advice. So it was a good time. Yeah, it was a good time for creepy old guys 10 years ago. <laughs> um, so Pete, I really liked your um, statement that you made about the stock market being a forward looking instrument. I've never mm -hmm. really thought about it that way or had to think about it that way. But I wonder how that compares to residential real estate because, and I even sent you an email a few days ago we're seeing really, really strong data right now. We're seeing new listings, pendings, multiple offers, closings. So right now in terms of residential real estate, if you look at the data and activity, it is as if not much is happening outside of the norm. We're definitely having a lot of conversations with people who have a lot of questions, but all we can do right now is point them to data and say, everything still looks really good. So I'm wondering if you can speak to kind of that connection between stock market, residential real estate. And if you do see a shift coming, are there markers we can look for 
And is there any way to predict if it's going to get anywhere close to what happened in 2008, which at that time we know there was still market activity. It was just a shift in the market. Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks, Natalie. I, of course, it's important to understand that I'm not a real estate expert and I would much rather lean on one of the best realtors in central Indiana to, with her thoughts as opposed to mine, but here are mine. Um, people like to quarrel as to whether a home is an investment and, and, and I have you know, feelings about that. But I'll say most people look at their home as a consumer expenditure. And so while the market currently may still have some residual heat that sounded kind of cool. Like I might actually write a column about residual heat in real estate later because that's a good term. It still has some heat to it. I'm not so sure that heat will be sustained because a market is hot. A, a real estate market is hot because there's a ton of qualified buyers in the space. We're theoretically ripping out 25% of buyers based on unemployment. Uh, so yes, money is relatively cheap right now. If you have an emergency fund and you're renting right now, now is arguably a reasonable time to buy a house if you also have employment stability. But if you're trying to sell a house and then and cross over, you know, you're going to have to sell it before you get into the other house. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's too early to tell with real estate. I'm not sure real estate is forward looking. I think the stock market is. I think real estate is more of a trailing indicator, but I guess we'll see. Great question. I appreciate the uh, the uh, vulnerable answer there, too, Pete. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know everything. It, it looks like uh, Miles Starrett had a similar question about the real estate market. Um, so, Miles, uh, feel free to ask another question or or clarify your question if we didn't get to it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, call on Sarah Burke. Sarah. I would love to answer your question live if you would like to ask it. Sarah, can you hear us? Hi, can you hear me? We can hey, hear you. Sarah. Okay, perfect. Um, so I've been trying to follow what the government's been doing in response to all this. And it sounds like there might be um, a check coming. I'm not sure if that's still a rumor or if that's actually something that's gonna happen. So I guess, what are your thoughts on that? And also, if that is going to happen, what's the best way to use that money, which like I'll be considering kind of extra income as I have like a stable job and safety net. Awesome, great question. And uh, now is not the time for kudos, but good job on, on uh, creating some semblance of stability. It's tough. It, it's tough for people who don't have stability for someone else to receive kudos for having stability, but Sarah, good job. Uh, yeah, I think a stimulus is coming and, and here's what it's going to look like. Uh, it is likely to be um, 1000 to $1,200 per adult in a household and potentially $500 per child in a household. And as soon as it gets approved, which right now there's some BS going on with it, which I can explain in a second, uh, it'll take three weeks to get there. And then the plan is to send checks of the same amount on three weeks later to, to create that level of stability. My challenge here right now in, in trying to understand what they've come up with is they're capping it for single filers at $75,000. So if you make $75,000 or less, you'll get, according to what they're doing right now, which isn't final, 1200 bucks. And if you make $99,000 or more a year, 
based on 2018's tax filing, then you get nothing. And if you are a couple filing and you make $150,000 or less, you get the full 1200 each. But if you make over $198,000 as a couple, you get nothing. My beef with this is that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that currently have zero income. And whether I make $106,000 a year as a single you know, female entrepreneur, or if I make uh, $41,000 a year as an entrepreneur, and now I'm at zero, what the hell does it matter that I once made 106,000 if my income is zero? So I feel like the current legislation is tone deaf, but to Sarah's question, because that didn't answer it, although it did give you some context. Um, Sarah, for people like you and me, who may be well capitalized right now, another fun term, uh, fun capital, we're very well capitalized and we have income and employment stability. Our responsibility is to get ready to spend that money, <laughs> is to get ready to blow it back into the economy when it is time to press go, because that is the only way to pull people who are out of the money cycle in line. Um, yes, you could take it and invest it in low priced securities and investments. I wouldn't, because I don't think you're doing your part. If you get a stimulus check and you're secure and you don't use it to stimulate the economy, you're not doing your duty. If you are unstable right now and you get a stimulus check, stabilize. Because the rest of us are here to support you to get this thing going again. But I would not invest a stimulus check uh, under any circumstances. Really appreciate you answering that, Pete. Uh, I know a lot of people have questions about this. It's all relatively new. Um, got some good comments here in the chat from Steven at Salesforce who said government checks, hashtag gang gang. Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. Yang is Andrew Yang is looking like a genius right now. And, and I think that's, and we're not going to get political, but I think it's really worth noting that there has been uh, an income disparity for quite some time in our country and uh, people on the upside of it have sometimes looked down and said, well, you got to work hard. You got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. We're learning this is, that's not how it works. Uh, systemically, people get different opportunities than other people and that's where levels of success are different. Yes, there are those wonderful you know, Disney stories where people can pull themselves up, but that's the minority case as opposed to what is realistic. And I'm a, I'm a very independent person uh, politically, but you know, this idea that, you know, People need equal opportunities. It's becoming, becoming more abundantly clear than ever before. And Andrew Yang's policy of, of uh, universal basic income all of a sudden makes sense the most ever. Yep. Agreed. Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Oh, it is. Yes. Um, our next question is from Miles Starrett, who um, works at a tech company. Uh, called Olio, a uh, health tech company, and runs a community called Indie Hackers, uh, focused on helping software developers better connect with their communities, find resources, find jobs. Miles, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, good to, good to uh, see you and you, Matt, and Pete both look well. It's good. Uh, so my question is real estate related also. Hope that's all right. Um, sure. A lot of folks were uh, looking into refinancing their mortgage before the market kind of crashed. Um, and I know mortgage interest rates don't directly track the federal rate, which was uh, lowered to zero recently. Uh, and the mortgage rates actually gone up the past few weeks. So my question is, uh, do you expect the mortgage interest rate to dip back down? You kind of said uh, real estate tends to be a trailing indicator. 
And then there, are there any tips for when would be wise uh, to pull the trigger on a refinance? Yeah, thanks, Miles. I appreciate the uh, question. So on March 3rd, I sent out a tweet that said, I just saw a mortgage rate, a 15-year mortgage rate for 2.75%. And for those not in the know, what? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. That's a unicorn rate. Again, I'm trying to sound cool, Matt, by using tech. You nailed it. I felt pretty good. Um, <laughs> we are not there now. Like it, it has climbed from there, but we're still relatively low. I think the challenge, whether you're trying to finance a mortgage or to invest in the stock market, there's a temptation to find the bottom. Well, I'm going to find the lowest rate. I'm going to find the lowest price. That's a fool's errand a lot of time. Um, so, and, and a lot of things can happen. Who knows what's going to happen with the mortgage market? I, I could see if you combine Natalie and Miles' question together, you could see this thing where housing prices come down interest rates rise a little bit or stay about where they are. And so you're still actually able to buy a lot of home or a good value of a home by the, the functionality of prices falling, right? To get a good deal on a home, you just don't need a good interest rate. You need a good price on the home. So I think there'll be that mix there. We are, I don't know, I'm going to call this one week into a financial crisis. You know, this week has been the longest century of my life. It's, it's absurd. Um, but we're still one week into it. So Miles, you can wait or you can go. I don't know if it's going to matter a ton one way or another. It, who knows that we're in uncharted territory right now. Great question, Miles. I hope your family is well as well. Um, lots of other questions about refinancing. This is a very specific one. Uh, I refinanced my house in September at 3.65%. I don't have a ton of money for closing costs, et cetera. Should I refi again? No. Next. <laughs> no, no, no. There's just not enough spread between your current rate and what, uh, or your current rate you're paying and new rates being offered. Don't do it. It doesn't make sense. Well, what are your thoughts? Um, this is a question from Ryan Hickey, um, and I'm going to expand it, make it a little more general. His question was, what are your thoughts on stopping 401k contributions right now? I'm going to generalize that and just say, what are your thoughts on stopping spend, stopping savings right now? The sort of paying yourself first. Yeah. So um, let's draw the line between saving and investing. Saving is, is holding off to the side, entering no risk into the conversation, right? Is call it hoarding if you want, but it's good hoarding. Uh, investing is where you enter risk into the conversation. To Ryan's question, we actually debated this on my radio show this morning, whether it makes sense for a person to stop contributing to build their savings, stop investing to save versus, uh, you know, get by with the level of savings you have and then invest for the future. If you don't have that big of an emergency fund, if you have less than a month or two months, I, I hate to say this, but you've got to figure that out if you've got no income. So you've got to probably pull back. But here's the other thing, Matt. If you had no income, you wouldn't have a 401k contribution, right? That's the, that's, the, that's the weird part of that. But if you fear your job is at risk in the coming months, yet you're still getting paid, you can, instead of withdrawing your 401k, you can stop contributions to build up that savings. But still, under no circumstance would I get out of my 401k completely, take those assets out. And I also in a perfect world, you're leaving your 401k alone. And if you have stability, you're actually investing more in it right now. That's really, really sound advice, Pete. I appreciate you sharing that. 
Um, can you talk to us just a little bit about how you foresee the coming weeks uh, to go? Oh man, where's my crystal ball? Ted, I know, right? Crystal ball. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this is going to come in waves. I feel like, um, but every day is a couple waves, right? You know, they have a press conference and then it starts up all over again. So I feel like we've got through a really big, bad wave this week. I feel like this was the initial punch to the gut. I think, you know, so if, if this week was this, I think you're going to have sort of ripples for a little while. And I think there'll be some other big moments down. I don't anticipate a big moment up for eight to 10 weeks. So we may be, you know, look, I'll be honest with you, very transparent. I think I'm okay with it being like this is as hellish as this has been for another eight to 10 weeks. If the alternative is it gets worse, right? <laughs> because I don't think it's, it's reasonable expectation for it to get better anytime in the next. And I think it's really important, right? Being realistic is a very pragmatic financial planning tool. And so I, I am fully prepared. My staff is fully prepared. I'm not even talking financially. I'm talking mentally. This is an eight week to 10 week thing for us. And um, it, it's, it's hard, but the alternative is it gets worse. Our next question is from Keegan Giles, who is a talent acquisition manager at a company called HC1. Keegan, welcome to the show. Hello, appreciate you having me on. Um, so yeah, my, my question's a little bit different. Um, obviously me in the talent act world, um, you know, wanted to cater a little bit towards that audience, but at the beginning you mentioned, um, we'll likely see, um, similar unemployment rates close to, you know, 20%, which is one out of every five of us here. Um, so, you know, I want to try to tailor this towards the tech community and also understanding a lot of us here are likely salaried employees, but you owning a business, which types of industries do you see are going to feel the largest impacts? And then part of that, you know, which types of employees do you feel will be most expendable and, and most valuable? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, thank you, Keegan, for that question. Uh, I feel like if I was going to make up a name, like an alias to travel under, it would be Keegan Giles. It's a great sounding name. I'm totally going to steal that name. Um, I think, you know, what's really strange is that, you know, business development people, revenue producers are always such a valuable member of any team because of the lifeblood of the organization. If you don't have revenue, you got nothing. But I think there's some danger in that over the next few weeks, because if someone can't sell, they can't sell because the environment is not ripe for it. Um, then you look at, well, do we just invest in the client success team because we can't actually sell at this time and then we'll bring that person back? I, I don't know. And I know I just terrified half your people on this, this event. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, of course, people tend to cut their marketing costs uh, almost immediately when these things happen, you, you freeze campaigns. Um, I don't know because no one's buying that. That's the, and, and that's not defeatist. That's not, that's just honest. I mean, I, I again, we're, we're a, a pretty high revenue organization. We have a spending freeze, which means we're not hiring vendors or doing projects. Uh, and I think a lot of companies are, are doing that. So long winded answer to, I have no idea. 
Uh, and in the meantime, I terrified two or three different industries. Well, I, I think, um, one, I appreciate the, the candor, Pete. Um, but two, I, I think kind of what you said in terms of, you know, do we just invest heavier in client success? Um, do we, do we look to allocate that in other ways? Um, a lot of the tech companies, particularly startups that I'm, I'm seeing thrive, uh, and actually find opportunity in this are the ones that are adapting and saying, Hey, you were doing cold calling before you are now just focused on making customers happy. Um, how can we be more attentive? And if an inbound lead comes in, of course, we're going to try to sell that opportunity. Um, but if you can have a, a nimble enough culture and a nimble enough team, which in most startups, people are willing to wear multiple hats if they're not already, um, I've seen a lot of tech companies and tech startups taking that approach. And look, and there's nothing wrong with a small pivot to make your product or service fit the moment. You look at the distilleries that are now making hand sanitizer. Don't get me wrong. I need some rye whiskey right now, but we need <laughs> as a community need those sorts of items. I mean, that's one of the, it's a brilliant pivot, but not from like a, Oh, what a brilliant business move. No, it's a community move. That, that decision is not driven by business. It's driven by heart. And so I think in the tech world, it's a, it's a community with a lot of heart that wants to serve people. So I think sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and say, how can our product or service that we built, how can this infrastructure, how can this platform be retasked to another purpose, which maybe it even creates revenue in the process, but if nothing else, it knows it helps people identify where the helpers are. You know, it's like always know where the helpers are. Your, your organization needs to be one of those helpers. Absolutely. Well, Pete, before we wrap up the show here, I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about what you're doing, because I think it's, it's so great and so prescient right now that you launched Hey Money here in the last uh, month or two. Uh, do you mind talking a little bit about what you're doing there? Yeah, it's uh, so when I was a financial advisor years ago, which I'm not now, which is sort of the weird thing about being named Pete the Planner. Uh, when I was a financial advisor, one of the big issues in our community was that if someone uh, didn't have money to invest, then they really couldn't get the best financial advice on how to then get money to invest. The key was to attract people who had money and then earn fees off the money they had, right? That, that is the financial planning world and, and sorry about y'all. Uh, so, what I've tried to solve over the last 15 years is the compensation problem within the financial services industry. How can you take someone with complex uh, situation? How can you take a complex situation without investments to manage and give that person the expert advice that is required to solve that problem, right? And so what we did is we created Hey Money. Hey Money is uh, 20 bucks a month. <laughs> And we are professional financial problem solvers. You get paired with a, a certified financial planner or an accredited financial counselor that work for us. They're sprinkled all around the country and they become your dude or they become your lady and they get you through whatever you're dealing with. So for about a $200 a year price point, uh, we're, we're trying to shake up how people get financial advice. It is good timing in the sense that we're in the financial problems industry and wow, the whole damn world has a financial problem right now. But that being said, it's, um, we're inundated. We're, we're inundated and, and I'm not complaining. It's a really good thing. 
And, you know, I'm the CEO of your money line as well, which is a similar infrastructure, but we do it through employers. Uh, we serve 1.2 million people a year through their employers. And we just answer financial questions all day long that have nothing to do with investing. A lot of the questions we've actually just covered here in our time together. So that's what we're doing right now. Um, yeah, callheymoney.com. I would have gotten heymoney.com, Matt, but it was $60,000. Then a Danish company bought it. So uh, now we're at callheymoney.com. Well, you know, it may go on sale again now, now that things are <laughs> going the way they're going. So Those Danes. I know. Well, I, I really love what you're doing, Pete. We'll make sure we link it up in the show notes. I really appreciate you being here. Um, you know, this show would not be possible without uh, the support of our, our collaborators, sponsors, partners, um, the community here at Powder Keg. And um, I want to give a huge shout out to a few of our friends who are on, um, on this podcast right now from CLA. That's formerly Clifton Larson Allen. They are a top 10 accounting firm in the country right now. And there are a lot of things happening right now. If you're a business owner um, that you really need to be in the know about, and, and even from a personal finance standpoint, they help uh, with wealth management as well. If you need that you know, sort of uh, expert advice and, and personal help, um, they have been extremely helpful to our community, helping us scale across the country. And uh, so I, I just want to give them a huge shout out for being supportive here. There are a lot of tax breaks right now. There are a lot of uh, things happening in terms of small business loans. So they are a resource for the powder cake community. I also want to give a shout out specifically to our podcast live partners, uh, Zotech Partners, KSM Consulting, Black Ink IT, and of course, Nameless Catering, which uh, is helping so many people still get food uh, right here in our local community in Indianapolis and in Indiana. Uh, for those who are wondering about their job security, maybe they're between jobs. Um, one of the things that Powder Keg has done here in the last six months is we've launched a platform called Matches. And our goal is to help match you with the right culture fit for you, where you can really thrive. So if you're between jobs, maybe you're worried about your job, Maybe you're worried about whether or not to go remote. We've updated our directory this week. So there's a little toggle switch that you can switch on and see the companies that are still hiring. Um, and you can go to powderkeg.com slash jobs. Tell us about yourself and we'll get you matched and you can start uh, making moves. I want to give a huge thanks one more time to our guest, Pete the Planner, today. Um, that is it for today's show. Uh, our live stream audience, all of you for being here, asking great questions. I want to say thanks to you. And for links to Pete the Planner's social accounts, uh, everything that you need to find. Uh, Pete, where can they find you if, if people are still listening? Yeah, at Pete the Planner on Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's enough. I mean, right? I don't, I don't have a TikTok. I'm an old fella. So that's enough. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm following your Twitter account intently right now. And you're doing um, live streams every day this week uh, and sharing those on YouTube and Facebook as well. Those have been amazing resources. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you. For That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Also, huge thanks to Peter Dunn, a.k.a. Pete the Planner from Hey Money. Uh, make sure you check them out at callheymoney.com. For links to Pete's social profiles and all the other people, companies, and resources mentioned in this episode, head on over to powderkeg.com and check out the show notes. You can also su subscribe while you're at it. Uh, Glad to have you here if you're not already a, an avid listener. We're going to be doing a lot more of these kind of live events, so be sure to check out upcoming live stream versions of the podcast with community Q&A. Uh, you can say that three times fast, community Q&A. Uh, an expert advice 
uh, as well. So we've got a really great lineup of guests coming up. So check those out at powderkeg.com slash events and get registered to reserve your spot there and ask your questions to get your questions answered on the show. If you're currently in the market for finding a new role and want to be connected to cutting edge companies, we mentioned this in this episode, uh, you can head on over to our matches platform at powderkeg.com slash jobs. You can apply. It's free. We'll match you with a job you love. Uh, we've done that for so many people in the powder cake community and we always get a thrill out of doing that um, so if we can help you out or a friend make sure you recommend them to powderkeg.com slash jobs and to be among the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs investors and other tech leaders in areas outside of silicon valley please give us a subscribe on itunes at powderkeg.com slash itunes if you could write us a nice review while you're there that goes a long way helps us reach more people and share these stories of remarkable tech companies doing remarkable things, uh, again, in areas outside of Silicon Valley. Uh, we'll catch you next time on powder keg podcast.